Thank you for visiting the Sanctuary Fellowship. We pray the following message will be encouraging to you. For more information about us, visit us on the web at www.sanctuaryfellowship.org. Listen in as we start taking away the layers of religion and discover the joys of a relationship with the Creator. Do not accept an easier way. Do not allow yourself to be padded to sleep in a comfortable church, void of power and barren of fruit. Do not paint the cross. Don't deck it with flowers. Take it for what it is, as it is, and you'll find the rugged way to death and life. Let it slay you utterly. I feel like I'm finished. Wow. See, as, as cool, and I meant to wear that silver cross today and I totally forgot, but as cool, as cool as the cross looks on jewelry, as pretty and polished as it looks in silver and in gold, as, as cool as it looks on a tattoo, right? You can have, there's four million different crosses that you can get tattooed, right? And as cool as that looks and as pretty as it looks, the cross is not pretty. Amen? There's nothing pretty about the cross. Now, this is Palm Sunday. Everybody knows, right? How many people you already saw on the street with their palms walking around the street, right? Those, the early Pentecostals that start like a seven, right? They already got their... their oh, you only saw me? Okay. They, they, you saw me carrying the whole bunch of them. Right? You could spot the pastors everywhere. They're the ones with the big rings of, of palms everywhere this morning. So... Palm Sunday is the Sunday before Easter. You guys know Easter, right? Easter is the day when everybody and their uncle come to church, right? Just to please somebody mama. Everybody comes to church to please somebody's mama. And, and it's the day that then they go out to eat, right? You, your restaurants are full. You can't get into a restaurant anywhere, right? Don't try to go to Sizzler. Don't try to go there because they've just packed. Everything is full. Or So people either go out to eat or they go to the family's house, right? And, and, and all the, they go to grandma's house and everybody comes together and eats. And it's a big Easter day. It's statistically the most attended church day. What is it about Easter? The most attended church day. Everybody want to get their church on Easter Sunday. Live like the devil the rest of the year, but, but get their church on Easter Sunday. The whole world around us is buying rabbits and Easter bunnies. They're hiding eggs. They're doing egg hunts. It's one of the biggest sale days of chocolate and candy, second only to Valentine's Day. Think about that. All around, the, it's, it's one of the biggest days of chocolate. All, all for the last couple of weeks, there's a big guy. Come on in, make yourself comfortable. There's a big guy in every mall, I'm sure you saw him, dressed as a bunny, right? With a big backdrop of, of colored Easter eggs and lining up. And kids are lining up to take a picture with the Easter, 10 bucks or, or more, to take a picture, to take your Easter picture with the Easter bunny and eggs. Right? You saw them at the malls? All around, all, all around, Easter is being celebrated everywhere. At every, there's Happy Easter, there's Easter banners, Easter bunnies, Easter chocolate, Easter eggs, there's egg hunts. The whole world is celebrating Easter, never once considering the cross. The resurrection reduced to chocolate, eggs, and bunnies. 
I want to share this word with you today. All leaves and no fruit. And you'll understand it later. And, and I want you to, to, to understand that I'm preaching this message this week because it's for us, the church. It's for us. It's not for everybody that comes to visit one time a year. It's for the church. It's for the body. And so I'm preaching this message today because, you know, it's for us to deal with. Amen? I promise that next week I'll be kinder. Okay? Next week we'll be gentle. So you can bring your family. You can bring... Don't say, you know, that church is all rajatabla. It's crazy. Everybody's going to be on disciplina. And then, no. I'm, I'm, I'm sharing this with you because as a body, as, as a body of Christ now that has members, and I'm so excited about that, and there's members coming out to discipleship. There's people getting, to, getting into discipleship. And, and you guys are all learning to be ministers and learning to take your role as ministers and learning that the church isn't about the one man behind the pulpit. Amen? So I'm really excited about that. So now that we're, now that we're family, now that I think I've shown you some love and some mercy, amen? I gotta give you the full word. Alright? So for today, let's take a trip. I want to follow Jesus through a chapter in the Gospel of Mark on Palm Sunday. You guys know it's Mark 11, and you guys know it's Palm Sunday. They call it Palm Sunday because when Jesus entered Jerusalem, people had their palms, and they waved palms, and they threw them in front, and they threw their clothes in front so that he can walk. It's the triumphal entrance of Jesus into, into Jerusalem. But leading up to that, you, have, you know, you have to kind of understand the whole story. Leading up to that, Jesus had already three years of his public ministry. He'd been preaching, healing. He'd been healing the sick. He'd been raising the dead. He's been forgiving people of sin for three years now. And every time, if you read through the Gospels, every time he had a healing, every time something big happened and somebody got set free, somebody got raised for the dead, many times throughout the word he'd tell them, keep it quiet. Don't, don't, don't go and tell anybody. Right? He healed the leper. He said, now just don't go and tell nobody. Just go to the temple, present yourself, and be cleaned. But don't, of course nobody listened, because, you know, when, when you're a lame man, and now you're walking, you can't not tell anybody. So nobody listened to him. I, I mean, it was unrealistic a request, really, but, but he was just showing that in telling people that it's not his season. It's not the season for that. Even his mother, when he was at the wedding, right, the first miracle, he was at the wedding, they ran out of wine, and the mother gets up, oh, my sonny boy, he can do anything. He can, just tell my sonny boy, he'll take care of that, he can he could, he could make, he'll take care of it, Jesus, come on, there, there's, there's a problem. He, he said, woman, why are you involving me in this? Right, if you read the scripture, he says, woman, why, why are you involving me? It's not my time yet, it's not my season now, you have to understand that throughout those three years, there had been seven instances when the officials plotted against him. There had been two efforts to actually arrest him, and there had been three assassination attempts. I mean, you know, Jesus was the true Jack Bauer. Only Jesus and Jack Bauer could avoid seven instances of plotting against them, two efforts to arrest them, and three assassination attempts. Only, only Jesus and Jack Bauer. Right? And Jesus was the only one that's real. So, understand, the religious community is upset. The business community is upset. The politicians are upset. This whole Jesus thing was turning everything upside down. He challenged those highest in power. He challenged those that swore that they were closer to God than anybody. So he challenged the religious. He challenged those that came to make a living out of deceit and wickedness. He confronted sin. 
with the people that he came to deliver. So all this is going on. Jesus never conformed. You know, you, people always say, well, Jesus hung out with the sinners, you know, and they use that as an excuse to live anywhere they want to live. Jesus would have been in the bar. Jesus would have been here. Jesus would have been in the whorehouse. Jesus would have been. And, and understand, Jesus went to those places, but Jesus never conformed. So there's a difference in you and Jesus. Be careful when you compare yourself. Right? Be careful when you do something and justify it. You say, well, Jesus would have been here. Yeah, Jesus would have been there with a purpose. What are you doing there? Amen? So he never conformed. And, and they were always telling Jesus that we don't do it that way. That's not how it's done. That's not how it's done. It's always been done this way. And so you see who my role model is, right? I don't want to do things the way they've always been done. I don't want to do it the way people used to do it. I want to do it the way God wants. Jesus always said, I only do what I see my father doing. Amen? Okay, so here it is, three years into his ministry, all these problems, all these angry people, all these attempts to silence him, all the, everybody disregarding him, hoping that he would just go away. And now it's, it's the time of the year where it's the Passover feast. And the Passover feast, it was coming, it was an annual event held in every Jewish household. And by this season and time, it was held in Jerusalem. So every Jewish, every good Jewish person would go to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover feast. The Passover, God, God, God ordained the first Passover. It's when he told Pharaoh, if you remember in the Old Testament, he told Pharaoh, listen, I'm going to strike dead all the firstborn children of, of, uh, of Egypt. All your firstborn kids I'm going to kill. And so he told God's people so that I won't, so that the angel of death doesn't kill your kids, your firstborn, sacrifice a lamb and take the blood from the lamb and put it on your door. And when the angel of death comes to the town, he, he sees the blood, he will pass over to the next house. And so that's where we get our Passover from. So the Passover feast was a celebration of the blood that delivers us. Amen. How many of you see the first gospel right in there? There's a gospel message right in there. It's because of the blood that we're free. When he sees the blood, he passes over and, and we're set free. Somebody say amen. It's another picture of the gospel. Because of the blood we live. And so now there was a lot of debate whether Jesus was even going to show up to the Passover feast. Because he's a wanted man. Right? There was, there was Johnny Soprano uh, contracts all over on Jesus' head. A lot of people wanted him dead. So there was a lot of debate whether he was even going to show up. And all of that debate ended when Jesus made his grand entrance into Jerusalem. And I have to believe he did it that way on purpose. He could have went in any way he wanted, but he, he did it that way on purpose. Palm Sunday marked a new season in his ministry. It was, never, it was no longer the season of escaping crowds. It wasn't the season of keeping everything on the down low. It, th that season was over. It was now time to stand up and do what he was called to do. It was time to do what he came willingly to do. No longer fading into the crowd. It was the season to lay down his life for you and for me. There's a hidden sermon there. God is calling some of us today saying, your season of hiding is over. It's time to step out and go into the city and do what God intended you to do. No? You're, I'm telling you, I believe it's a word from the Lord. This is a hidden sermon. It has nothing to do with a sermon. It's a hidden sermon. Your season, God is telling some of you that your season is over. Your season of hiding, your season of keeping everything low key, your season of being a background person is over. God is saying your season has come. Tell everybody it's a new season. 
Now believe that. It's a new season. That season is over. All right, back to the story. Mark 11. It says, as they were nearing Jerusalem, this is weird. As they were nearing Jerusalem, Jesus sent two of his disciples ahead. And he says, go into the village. When you get into the village, there's going to be a donkey tied, tied there. A donkey, a, a colt of a donkey that has never been ridden. Go untie that colt and bring him to me. When they stop you, tell them the Lord needs it and he'll return it. Weird, right? So, so it says that the two disciples went and, and they, they went into town and as soon as they got to the village, boom, there's the donkey, just like Jesus said, tied to the thing. And so they started untying it and somebody said, what are you doing? And he said, the Lord needs it and he'll return it. So they said, okay. And so they brought the donkey back. Another hidden sermon. When God tells you something's going to be there, it'll be there. See, God could have whistled. He could have been like, and, and the donkey could have came out the bushes, right? And the, he could have been beastmaster type, you know, and, and, the, and the, he could have, I mean, he's God, right? He does whatever he wants to do. He controls everything that his control. He could have said, he could have made one of his disciples a donkey. Just, you're a donkey. Spoke it and they would have been. But no, he, he always gives us opportunities to see his provision. So he said, go there, it'll be there. Understand, hidden sermon there. If God has told you it's going to be there, then it'll be there. When God has told you that your healing is going to be there, it's going to be there. When God tells you that the finances are going to be there, right, Melissa? It's going to be there. Exactly where he said and exactly how he said. And when somebody stops you, tell them, God sent me to get it. And, and he'll, he'll, he'll deal with you. And then they'll say, okay, take the donkey. All right, so they bring him this coat. And they put their coats on it to make it more comfortable. And, and he makes this public entrance into Jerusalem. And crowds are gathered. And they throw down their clothes. And they wave the palm branches. And they start to sing, Hosanna, Hosanna, glory to God in the highest. Just like it said in the Psalms. And they're worshiping and singing and praising him. And, and Jesus, this time, is accepting their praise. Accepting their worship. If you read all through the other parts, he would, he would low-key it. Say, listen. I only do what my father's doing. I only, he didn't really accept praise and worship until this part. He didn't, he didn't even, at the status that he was at already, he had been healed people, he'd brought people from the dead. He could just appear and stand there and have people just worship. He didn't do that. He always escaped the crowd. And more people would come and, and there was times where it says that more people came from the village and he healed every one of them. Can you imagine what a long day that was? He healed every one of them. Now he could have just sat back and everybody would have worshipped. All these healed people would have worshipped their heads off, right? Some of you have been healed, right? You know how to worship because you've been healed. Some of you are still waiting for your healing and God said it will be there. But So this is like the first time Jesus is accepting this praise. He's wanting all of this worship. He comes in slow on a donkey and he accepts. He wants this praise. He's coming to test the hearts of the people. He was coming to test the hearts of the people. He wanted to see where they were at. He wanted to see what they were thinking. How they were, how they were feeling. How they would react. And so he comes in and see another hidden sermon here. A lot of hidden sermons, right? Their praise in, in this passage here was scriptural. It was important. It's important that we praise God the way he wants to be praised. This is key. Listen. 
If God says we're to come to him with words, like it says in Hosea, then that's how we come to him. If God says that we're to come to him with a song, like it says in Psalm 100, then that's how we need to come to him. If it says that we're to come to him with our hands raised up, like it says in Psalm 134, then, then that's how we gotta come to him. God, God, we, we need to, the heart of worship is giving God what pleases him, not what pleases us. Let that sink in there. Right? Worship, you know, the whole point in worship is to do what pleases God, not what pleases us. The beautiful truth of that is that when we please God, we get totally pleased. See, God gave us marriage to teach us that. God gave us marriage to kill the selfishness in us. Because we need to constantly die to self to please the other mate, to please our spouse. But when we just kill ourselves to please our spouse, the beautiful thing is that as we please our spouse, we are somehow wonderfully pleased. So God gave us marriage to teach us that. Some of you have figured that out yet. You thought it was just about you and your needs. It's about your spouse and his needs or her needs. So when you take you out of the equation, and, and I tell you that, so listen, if you're single and you're not down with that, don't get married. Because that's what it's about. And, and somebody should tell you this before you get married. Because many of us got to find out afterwards, right? We find out after. We get married. We come home after the honeymoon. The honeymoon was all gravy and everything's great, right? And, and we think it's going to be like that forever. And we come home and say, come here, baby. Get out of here. I'm not in the mood for you. Get out of here. And you go to the Word of God, even those of you that are real Christian, sweetheart. That body's mine, the Word says. Mine. It's mine's. That body's mine's. And, and you go quote all kinds of scripture, and then sometimes if, if, if the wife or if the spouse is clever, they'll quote it back. The Bible says you to love me like Christ loved the church. So die. So die. When I see you dying, then you can get all of this. Amen? See, somebody should tell us that before we get married, right? So single people, consider yourselves warned. Alright? But the beautiful part about it, I'm not trying to make it ugly, the beautiful part about it is that when you die, when all you care about is pleasing your spouse, you are somehow wonderfully pleased. I've, I have been able... Oh, let me flip it so I don't get in trouble. My wife has been able to totally transform me. Not by changing me, not by, not by, you know, you need to do this, you need to do that, and giving me a honey-do list. But she's been able to totally please me because um, she's been able to change me to get me to totally please her because she's been totally pleasing to me. Ooh, I didn't think I spent so much time on this, but I felt the anointing on that. So... Back to the story. He deliberately chose a donkey. Jesus chooses. That was hard to not stay there. But he deliberately chose a donkey. Why? You have to understand that in those days, a man coming on a donkey meant he was coming in peace. It's a symbol. Our symbolism, right? A man coming, as opposed to coming on a horse with a chariot, with men, with his boys, right? That meant he was a god of war. That means he was coming to fight. He was coming to take things over. He was coming to deliver the captives. And, and that's how the rabbis and everybody wanted him to roll. 
And that's how they thought the Messiah was going to roll. He was going to come on this chariot that didn't even touch the floor. It just floated. You know, a chariot that was just floating. You know, Chris Angel type freakiness. And, and you know, and a chariot that just floated with all his men. And he was just looking out of his eyes. Fire would shoot out and destroy his enemies. And all the rap, everybody wanted that. They wanted to, to rule in power because, you see, he, but he came to serve. And we don't want to serve. We, we want to rule. He came to bring peace. And we don't want peace. We want power. Come on. You get amen there. So understand that Jesus came as a man of peace. He, he came in, in humbly in peace, not to fight, but to lay his life down. But now, don't get it twisted. Jesus is not soft. You know, and, and that's, that's the kind of correlation that we give and, and we raise soft Christian men a lot of times in church. And I'm not about that. When we raise these men that are, you know, oh, I'm a Christian. No, you know, I can't, I can't hit you back. Walk all over me. I'm a Christian. You can treat me any way you want. I'm, no, Jesus was not soft. Understand that Jesus had Johnny Soprano contracts on his head. Everybody wanted him dead. And, and he didn't come in rolling with an army. He came in on a donkey. Saying, you know anybody bolder than that? You understand? Can, can you spot a man? He didn't come in Spartan 300 status with the, with the gear and the... Whoosh, with the abs and the big, big, big exaggerated chest. He didn't come in rolling like that. He came in on a donkey. You can't even get away from nobody on a donkey, right? He's like, hurry up, hurry up! Come on, again! You ain't going nowhere on a donkey. So, I mean, the man got to have some heart. So understand, you need to see Jesus' true character. He's coming to lay his life down. There's nothing soft about him. I just want to clear that up. <clears throat> he came, in, it says in Mark that he came as the Messiah. He came to save his people. So what he does first is inspect the condition of his people. He sees if they know how to worship him. He inspects the temple. He inspects the, the place of worship. And the rest of Mark 11 is the result of his inspection. The first day, it says, as soon as he got into Jerusalem after the praise concert, he went right to the temple. And, and he says he just inspected the temple. He looked at everything. Oh, okay. So he just walked through the church and walked through the whole, oh, that's okay, black ceilings. Okay, that's interesting. And just inspected the whole temple. And it says by this time it was late, so he left. That's all he did day one. He inspected the condition of his people, see how, who was worshiping, how they were worshiping, who was not worshiping. Then, then the temple where, where his presence is supposed to be, he inspected it, saw how everything was going and left. Now, the next day, the next morning, he heads back. And now, this is key, and this is really where I got the title from. This is really where the heart of this message is. So please, wake up, hit the person next to you, make sure they're awake, and, and, and make sure they grab this. Hit them harder. Now, it says, they're, they're heading back, and it says, on the way, Jesus gets hungry. He's a man, right? He gets hungry. And so he, he gets hungry. He sees in the distance, if you read in Mark 11, he sees in the distance a fig tree in full leaf. And so he walked all the way over to the fig tree in full leaf, expecting to find fruit. And the problem is, and I want you to really picture this. He, he goes over to the tree, right? And he sees the tree in full, in full leaf. I got a, a thing messed up here. 
He sees this tree in full leaf and from far away. And so he says, man, I'm hungry. And, and so he goes all the way over to the leaf, to the tree, and he finds there's no figs in it. There's all these leaves, but there's no figs in it. Now picture this. This is kind of strange. It says Jesus talked to the tree. Would that be, some of you see me a little crazy if you catch me in the street out there talking to something that's inanimate. And so he says he talked to the tree and he cursed it. He said, because you have no figs, never again will anybody eat from you. It says he did it loud because the disciples overheard him. So he wasn't just like, oh no, I curse you in Jesus' name. He said, never again will anybody eat from you. I curse you in my name. And, and, he, and he walked away. And if, you've, if you just read that passage, that used to bother me a lot. Because it says in the passage that it wasn't season. It wasn't season for figs yet. So why is Jesus bugging out? If it's not season, why are there no figs on the tree? Why, why is he angry when there's no figs on the tree? Isn't that weird? He says, no one is going to eat from you again. See, the problem was, and what we need to understand here, the more I read and researched, because that used to bother me, how come? And the problem is, when a fig tree grows, the leaves grow with the fruit. So if there's leaves, there will be fruit. So he got mad at the fig tree because it was all leaves and no fruit. There was other trees in the field that had no leaves and no fruit and they weren't cursed. There was other trees that had leaves and no fruit and they weren't cursed. This tree had the appearance of fruit, but no fruit in it. So he cursed it for pretending to have fruit. In this picture, Jesus was warning Israel and us of God's displeasure when we have the appearance of fruit, but not the fruit itself. God isn't pleased when His people are all leaves and no fruit. Come on, that deserves an amen. That's heavy. That's heavy. There are entire kingdoms built On leaves that have no fruit in them. Jesus said that my house would be a house of prayer. That there would be bread in the storehouse. That's why Jesus says bring the tithe into the storehouse. That there may be bread there. He said never do I want the storehouse to be void of bread. Because hungry people come to the storehouse. And if, and if we have the appearance of a storehouse. If we put the sign, the sanctuary bread factory. And people come hungry because we have the appearance of bread. We got pictures of bread on the signs. We got pictures of bread in our brochures. And so they come to get some bread. And when they get here, there's no bread. God's displeasure arises. We got that? Now, let's, let's, we can even dig into a little deeper the definition of fruit. It's not Sanjaya. The definition of fruit in the Word of God... The definition of fruit in in botany, when you look up the Webster in Webster's, the definition is fruit is the seed-bearing part of the plant. Grab that. Fruit is the seed-bearing part of the plant. It's the part of the plant that bears life. 
This is important. It's the part of the plant that can bring life. It's the part of the plant that has the seed. The seed which when planted dies and gives life to a new plant. So the seed dies in the ground, gives life to a new plant that bears seed, fruit that bears seed, that the seed dies and goes and dies and gives birth to a new plant. And that plant bears fruit and that fruit bears seed and that seed goes into the ground and dies. You you get in the picture? It's a picture for us. If, If we're all leaves and no fruit, eventually we die because there's nothing to continue. I hope you, you, you're grabbing that. Another definition for the word fruit is the result or re- reward of work or activity. You see, you're going to see people all over the Bronx today with, with palm leaves. And, and I really debated over even, even getting them. You're going to see them all over today, all over the Bronx. But I want you to ask yourself, is there any fruit? See, when Jesus got back to the temple in Jerusalem, he went to the temple, and this time from the start of entering, because remember, he had already inspected everything. From the start of entering the temple, he started flipping over tables. He started throwing everybody out. He threw everybody that worked in the temple out. He cleaned house. You have to understand what was going on there. Um, you were required to bring a sacrifice to the temple. And so the, the, you know, the entrepreneurs of that day say, hey, there's a lot of money we can make here. And so they set up shop inside the temple and they were selling damaged and marred um, sacrifice for exorbitant amount of money because they knew that people had to make a long trip to come to the temple and if they came there already, they got to buy it there. Kind of like the movies, you know, right? Uh, We already got you here. Unless you were smart like my family and went to CVS and bought all the candy at CVS and stuffed it in your pockets. You're already at the movies. If you're thirsty and your kid starts whining for popcorn and candy, I gotta pay three fifty for a, a soda that I could have fed the whole row, right, with three liters for the same. It's ridiculous. But once we're here, we get we get we get raped for the price. That's what they were doing in the temple. You people, they were selling all kinds of damaged sacrifices and charging crazy money. And so there was a, 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 a business going on in the temple. They were also charging high rates to change money. Because people are coming from all different places with different money. And so, well, over here, you know, one shekel is not, not going to be worth what it's worth in your place. And so they were robbing people left and right in God's house. So he threw everybody out. He wasn't having them. He taught them. He said to all of them, he said, my house shall be a house of prayer. And you've turned it into a den of thieves. A den of thieves. Understand what a den of thieves is. It sounds obvious, but it's not. A den of thieves is a place where thieves are comfortable. Now listen, in, in this place, and you know, uh, the... Jesus. A den of thieves is a place where sin is comfortable. Now, I, I want you to understand that here and in the next place, I, I want everybody to come as you are. We, there's no dress code. There's no, there's no code of, of ethics or code of morality that, that you need to, 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 to have to come into. The, you need to come as you are. But I found that the closer you get to God, the more uncomfortable your sin is. Okay? And, and the more uncomfortable it is to stay in your sin. And listen, I know God ain't finished with you yet. I'm not judging anybody. I know, I know God is still dealing with some of you. Why? Because He's still dealing with me. 
Because I still fall. Because I still trip up. But, so I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, you, if this is never, this should never be a place where your sin is comfortable. Making it a den of sins. Now, I didn't give out the palms in the beginning, and I wasn't going to get them at all, because I, I didn't want to have all those leaves in here. Because when Jesus sees leaves, He looks for fruit. We already see, right, in the Word. When he sees leaves, he looks for fruit. This is a message that he gave us in, in that word in Mark 11. And so I didn't want all of you making these crosses and these pretty crosses and, and walking around the street with your crosses or hanging them in your rearview mirror or making necklaces and all the, the cute little designs that everybody does with these things. And walk around with it like it was nothing. Because understand that when Jesus sees the leaves, he's going to come looking for the fruit. And I didn't want anybody to be cursed never to bear fruit again. Do you understand? I wanted to have come. I felt so, I felt so, I was conflicted with it. I really felt hurt. I said, God, but you know, it's Palm Sunday. People like, like, like to have this stuff. To some people it matters. And to some people it wouldn't be a real church if we didn't have palms on Palm Sunday. I know how some of you think. Right? That, that ain't no real church. Everybody else had palms. I didn't get no palms. Right? And, but we can't afford palms? I gave $20 this week. I don't know why we can't buy palms. Palms ain't that expensive. Maybe the pastor just want to use all the money for himself. That's what it is. He don't want to, you know what I'm saying? We can start tripping. We can start tripping over. So this costs three seventy five a bundle. So this was no big expense. I spent 8 bucks on all these palms. Okay, it's not about money. But I didn't want everybody to have all these leaves waving them around, calling attention to Jesus so that Jesus could come look for fruit and not find any in your lives. And so instead of handing them out to everybody at the door as you came in, I put them at the altar. And I figured as we end today, if you know there's fruit, then you come get it. If you want there to be fruit... Then you come get it. It's not, things aren't in the kingdom of God, they're not just handed out there to, to anybody that wants. You, you have to make a, a decision. You need to make a choice. You need to come to God so He can come to you. Amen? You don't need to do anything. You don't need to earn it. You don't, I'm not saying you gotta earn this thing. Grace is free and it's for everybody. It's not for the select. I could get, I get as much grace as any one of you get. And it's more than enough. Amen? Because His grace is sufficient. Now, family, I know that that might seem harsh, but please understand something. You, we have to accept the full word of God. You can't come here week after week and hear about God's grace and God's freedom. Because the freedom, you know, that in, in understanding and picturing all that, you, you can't have all of that freedom without the cross. You can't, you know, you, you can't, and like the quote says, don't allow yourself to be padded to sleep in a comfortable church, void of power and barren of fruit. There's no freedom without the blood. There's no grace without the cross. Now, the blood and the cross is not going to attract anybody to church because it's not that pretty. Right? If we made a real pretty cross with Easter lilies on it to make it real pretty for Easter and we hung flowers on it, right? I, I, I love the man's heart. He said, don't decorate it. The cross isn't pretty. 
The cross smells. The cross has sweat and blood and tears on it. The, the cross has all kinds of bodily secretions on that. There's nothing pretty about the cross. As a matter of fact, when, when God gives us the big building, I'm going to hang up an ugly cross. And only you guys will know why. Right here. Because why, why make it pretty? It was an instrument of savage destruction. And God says, take it up daily and follow me. And, and you could jump up and down all day about freedom and jump up about grace. And you should. You should give God glory about it. And you should be excited about being free. And you should never let a yoke of slavery be put on you again. You should. But you can't have that without this. It's like nobody likes the war, but everybody likes to be free. Come on. Right? Nobody, nobody wants soldiers dying. Nobody wants the war. But everybody wants to live free. There's a price to pay. That was for you, Edwin. See, Jesus, he, he could have chosen to come anyway, but he came naked as a baby. He had to learn how to walk. He had to learn how to eat. He had to, to learn how to share. Sharing is caring, Jesus. He had to work as a carpenter. You know, a carpenter worked hard. A carpenter constantly cuts himself. A, comp- a carpenter is always bleeding. Perhaps he was just preparing for what he came to do. He actually worked with the instrument that he was killed with. Mm, that's a whole other hidden. All of that is, he was still fully man and yet fully God. That's still a mystery to me. So this Palm Sunday, we need to just understand that he was and he is the fruit of God. Jesus was. He was the seed-bearing part of God. And like a seed, he was put in the ground and through his death, he gives life to you and me. So ask yourself this Palm Sunday when you see the leaves, is there any fruit in my life? Is there any result or reward from my activity? Is More importantly, am I bearing any seed? Is there any part of me willing to die so that others can live? Am I dying to the selfish desires of my flesh and to this world? And like, like last week's message, is my presence liberating anybody? If it is, bring them to prayer on Wednesday. Bring them to membership, discipleship class. Bring them out with you next week to celebrate Easter. I promise that I'll be kind and that God will be gracious. Let's pray. Let's change our position a moment. Let's just stand and bow our heads. If I could have the worship team come. Just ask yourselves, I really, I really believe God is, all the, the hidden sermons, they were for one or two or, or three people in the, in the room, man. For, for some of you, God is saying that the, this, the season of hiding is over. For some of you, God is saying, that's it. It's, it's enough. I didn't call you to this small church. 
the, to this new church that, that was just planted. I didn't call you and put you in this setting so that you could continue to hide and sit like you were sitting in the big church that you left. And God is saying it's a new season. It's a new season for you. It's a season to come out and to go into the city and to lay down your life and to do the things that I've called you to do. And, and then for some of you, that, that, that other hidden sermon was for you. God has told you to do something. He's told you to go someplace and, and that His provision will be there. And, and you need to understand that God says, if I told you it'll be there, it'll be there. Recognize that today. If I told you something was going to be there, it will be there. If I told you that apartment is going to be there, it's, it will be there. If I told you that house will be there, it will be there. If I told you that healing was going to be there, it's going to be there. If I told you those finances were going to be there, it will be there. I, I have gathered the wicked so that they can work to store up riches to hand over to the righteous. That's the way God's kingdom works. So if God said it'll be there, it'll be there. Some of you just need to receive that and just walk in that thing. And so right now, as, we, as just the last closing minutes, when, when we're just going to worship a little bit. And in that worship, I, I want you to just keep, let's keep the worship low for a minute. And in, in that worship, I want you to ask yourself, you know what, is, is, there, is there fruit in my life? And listen, I know that some of you have been coming out to membership class. You've been coming out to prayer. And I'm so proud of you. I know that there's fruit in your life. You're showing it. You see it because, you, because there's, there's, the people in your family are telling you you're different. People around you are saying you're different. Guess what? That's fruit. Your life is changing. You, you're seeing God's provisions. Some of you walk around and, you, and God is talking to you about all kinds of things. There's, there's some of you in, in, in the prophetic ministry of this church that's amazing to me because you've been saved five or six months and you're on the prophetic team. And, and in churches, we've always reserved that to people that have been in the Lord 15, 20 years sitting on their butts. Fat in Jesus. And, but, there's, but there's people on the prophetic team that God saved yesterday, you know what I'm saying? And they're already hearing from God. And understand that that's fruit. So if there's fruit in your life, then as we worship, you're going to come up to the place of worship and you're going to take a leaf. Or two or three or whatever you want. And you can wave that thing and you can make crosses out of it. And you could, you could make decorations and put it in your car. Because you know that the leaves attract Jesus. And, and Jesus sees leaves, he comes looking for fruit. And you know there's fruit in your life. And so, and with you, he'll come and he'll say, he'll come and eat from that fruit. And he'll say, my servant, I'm well pleased. He'll come to you like a lover. Oh, man. That's good. Some of you say, you know what? There's no fruit in my life. I've been disobedient. I keep running away from God. This is the fifth church I've been in because I keep leaving every time somebody challenges me. Or, or, or I'm just, this, the whole church thing is new to me. I still don't even know if I believe in this thing. I'm, I'm trying, I'm trusting, but I keep messing up, I keep falling. But you're saying, God, I want fruit in my life. I want there to be fruit. I, I want fruit to grow. Then, then I'm going to invite you in faith to come and take a leaf during worship. Because God says, I judge the heart of man, not the outside. 
And so, see, you don't have to have fruit on the outside because Jesus sees right through the phoniness and, and He sees that there's fruit on the inside. And God says, if you're hungry for me, then, then there's seed in there that's dying. And seed is the fruit part of the tree. So I invite you to come up. And this could be, to some of you, you, you've never said a sinner's prayer. You've never accepted the Lord. You've never really made an outward commitment to God. Let this be a commitment to God. I'm not going to ask you to come and repeat a prayer. I'm not going to ask you to come. Because I don't believe that changes people. I believe action changes people. I believe if I said a prayer right now and some of you repeated it, I, I don't know, that's so hard to judge. God sees the heart. You could be repeating it because you don't want mommy to hear you not repeating it. Or your husband to hear you're not repeating it. So to me, that's not that's nothing. If if you've never made a commitment to say, God, I want I want you in my life. I'm giving control over to you. Then come grab a leaf and wave it at him and say, Come, Lord, check my heart. Help. Let this be ground where where fruit grows. So I release you. I release you. supporting the Sanctuary Fellowship. We are a new and growing church with a passion and a heart towards enjoying God, serving people, and building healthy families. We pray that you will continue to fellowship and grow with us as we follow hard after God. Don't forget to visit us on the web at www.sanctuaryfellowship.org. God bless.